Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide. So excited to have you guys with me and so excited to have my friend Aaron with us. Aaron's been a great friend who I met through Vincent's uh, Total Life Freedom membership and mastermind community. Aaron first met me in person at that fateful Pittsburgh retreat that you guys have heard about a few (laughs) different times, but I'll kind of bring Aaron in in a second. But basically, Aaron's got an awesome story and he's now doing uh, things on YouTube with fishing. And I never would have thought I would have had somebody talking about fishing on a real estate podcast, but there's a reason and we'll get to it. Uh, Just what he's doing and how he's kind of gone into something where there wasn't, you know, a lot of content in English. And we'll get into that. But uh, Aaron, you know, after spending 25 years successfully helping companies improve their culture and profitability, Aaron decided that going fishing was a lot better than going to work. So he retired at 48 from a good job and decided to just go fishing and make some videos along the way. The initial goal was to fish as many places as possible in Pennsylvania and West Virginia while exploring his newest fishing interest, bait finesse style fishing or BFS for short. And that exploration of BFS turned into a consuming pursuit and the development of a YouTube channel that has steadily grown. Um, And after only a year, Aaron started working with national brands and is currently designing and testing equipment for bait finesse style fishing uh, for Kistler fishing rods that will include his own signature rod. His eventual goal is to have his fishing adventures pay for all of his retirement living and travel expenses and truly live a life where it's hard to tell if he's working or playing. And I'm so impressed by what Aaron's doing. I've known Aaron through a few different transitions, right? Out of corporate, uh, into photography, and kind of then he was into branding photography specifically, and then um, into the, you know, the YouTube stuff and the fishing. So Aaron, welcome to the show. And it's just been so cool to kind of watch your journey. And I'm glad to call you a friend and know you. Well, I'm I'm happy to be here, and yeah, and I was thinking this morning, you, you know, I I knew you, I think, before you were a realtor, right? So we were both into photography, and yep. I think you were working at a bank or a mortgage company at the time, you know. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's been a a wild ride for both of us. It has. So, kind of tell us. I want to get into the fishing and what you're doing with YouTube and how you've grown that for sure. But kind of tell us a little bit more about, you know, I I shared the brief intro about your shift from corporate America to the photography and then to fishing, like what, was there any reservations about this? Like what made you say, cause I think, you know, a lot of realtors listening to the show, they're working other jobs and they'll say like, oh, well, I'd love to do real estate full time. I can't take that risk. And I feel like, right, you know, you kind of, and I remember knowing you and knowing of your wife and you sh- like, you guys were kind of like, is this a good idea? And you're like, I promise we'll be fine, even if I don't. So kind of explain maybe those conversations and how you decided to take that that leap. Well, if I'm honest, my, my wife is probably still like, well, was this a good idea or not? You know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, where we were is I had worked for 25 years. And it's sort of funny because when I look back now, the beginning of my corporate career started with Sony. Uh, and it, it was my first trips to Japan. It was like I really sort of got sort of immersed into the the Japanese culture because my mentor and boss was a Japanese mm-hmm. guy. And, and so where I am now, I can see the roots trace back to there. But the decision to leave, it, it really wasn't easy. Uh, even though you know we had invested well, we'd done good things. We're uh, like you, we're debt-free. We, we followed Uncle Dave. And it, so it made some of the things a lot easier. But even when 
COVID had sort of put my career on hold for, it looked like it was going to be a year and a half. I'd already been on hold for six months. They were asking me to just sort of sit in the office and come into work every day for the next nine months. I was like, I I can't do that. And uh, I was complaining to my wife and she said, well, why don't you quit? You always said when we got to this number, like you you could quit and you could build your own thing. You could do something else. Like we know you're not just going to sit around and play golf or, you know, play video games. So I actually took a week and I went through that and I, I made a list of pros and cons. I'm like, okay, what are some of the drawbacks if I keep working? What are some of the drawbacks if I quit? But then what are the pros if I keep working? What are the pros if I quit? What would I do with my time? And I literally paid, filled an entire page with things that I could do. And once I started looking at that, I'm like, okay, well, which ones of these could make money? Because it's just sort of the way I'm wired. Like I I, I need to make money. I, I don't know why I've become that way. But I knew that that was important to me. I had to have a list of eight or 10 or 12 different things that could possibly make money. And so the goal was to grow the photography business. But again, it was still in the middle of COVID. It was a travel-based photography business. Mm -hmm. So I I wasn't sure how that was going to, to pan out. And ultimately what happened is after a year, it was growing, but all of my clients were in the Pittsburgh area. And I love Pittsburgh. This is home, but I want to be able to travel. And so I started playing it out, out and saying, Hey, you know what? This is, uh, this is going to lock me into just having four weeks off a year again, just like I had before. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want that. So, I mean, there's been a lot of pivots, a lot of risks, but a lot of, a lot of what I'm doing, I looked at that initial list that we made when we made the decision and said, okay, plan A didn't work. Plan B didn't work. What's plan C, D, E, F. And uh, YouTube actually was one of the things that I had listed like, hey, maybe I could make some money, but I didn't think it was going to be about fishing. So, yeah. So, and it's so cool, even at the, I think it was the the retreat in February at Vincent's home there in Florida, like hearing about how the YouTube has grown was like insane. And now I will tell you every day, I think it's every day I get an alert on my phone that you posted a new video. I think you've kind of shifted a little bit, but you used to post one every day at a certain time. And it was the only, I feel like I know fishing now. I've never fit. Every time I fished in my life, I hated it. But your videos were interesting. So let's kind of go into the YouTube because so many realtors out there are like, oh, I'd love to do real estate, you know, stuff on YouTube. You didn't just go and do, oh, hey, I'm a fisherman and I, I fish, you know, you went and you really enjoyed this, right? Bait finesse style fishing. But what kind of happened as you kind of searched for videos about it online? Well, so I had heard about bait finesse style fishing the the first year of retirement, you know, and and so I did a lot more fishing and and, and I I did watch some YouTube videos about fishing. And when I started saying, you know, this might be something I'd want to get into, what I started figuring out was most of the videos were in Japanese. Every once in a while, I'd find one from Europe and they're fishing for a completely different type of fish. I'd find some stuff in Russian, very little bit there. But there weren't too many people talking about it in English. Uh, And now there's probably four or five of us that talk about it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But I said, well, yeah, I might as well just document my journey into this. Like if I'm going to buy this equipment, if I'm going to figure out how to fish this technique, I really started with the mindset of a vlog, you know, sort of if I go back 10 years ago, I had a blog that I wrote documenting my, my going to film school and learning how to do film photography and, and shooting my first jobs on film and all that stuff. And it was fun to go back and look at that. And so I said, you know, I need to do this for the fishing journey as well. So that was the entire intent. It wasn't like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to monetize this. I'm going to be a YouTube personality, whatever. It was just, 
I'm going to to create truly a vlog style and just document it. Well, then after about a month, people started following because I was unboxing and talking about gear that you buy from China or Japan, and not many people were talking about it. And so I said, oh, hey, maybe there's something to this. And I, I said, okay, well, what would be my strategy? And so I tried to analyze the top fishing YouTube channels, even though they weren't bait finesse. And so, okay, it's the old saying, right? Success leaves clues, right? So what were the fishing guys doing? And then I went even farther and I looked at guys like Peter McKinnon and Matty Hapoya who were in the photography realm and said, okay, what did they do to grow their channels? Because they're two of the most successful people that I respect the way they grew their channels. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of created a roadmap for my first six months and said, okay, well, let me, let me make these kind of videos and see what happens. And so, okay. So, so you did that. And again, it's still awesome to to hear you started making videos and suddenly people started following you and you're like, Oh wait, this could be like a thing. Yeah. I, I, I started looking into it and I'm like, okay, well, if I picked up 80 followers in the first three months, mm-hmm. like, okay, well, if I pick up 80 every three months, that was sort of like my mindset. I'm like, well, maybe in a couple of years, like YouTube, maybe will start paying for my fishing gear, right? That was sort of the first objective. Be like, okay, well, this would be cool. And I stayed at that level at like 80 a month or so through November. So like for the first, I don't know, eight months, nine months that I was making videos, I, I was picking up about two maybe just over two subscribers a day. Yeah. So then first eight months, you say two a day, and then how did it grow from there? Well, it, it just started getting to the point where I said, okay, I, I know what I've been trying. I, I sort of did the same types of things and I just was experimenting. I said, okay, well, if I make these four or five different types of videos, I use these four or five different types of thumbnails and I sort of mix and match them. You know, what, what creates the you know, the better click-through rate, what creates the amount of views, what do people really want to see? And then I'm like, okay, well, now I sort of know what I need to do for the next six to nine months. What else do I want to add? And I'd been hearing a lot about YouTube shorts. And I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me see what happens if I make short form content, but I didn't just do it for YouTube. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, I might as well put it on Instagram. I might as well put it on TikTok. And so I did one video a day through the end of the year. So basically I started right around Thanksgiving. So I did about six weeks worth of videos. And then I just did the analysis and I said, well, what worked? And what I found out was YouTube just took off. I went from like 586 subscribers to like over a thousand. I think it was 1100 just in those six weeks. So I I almost doubled my subscribers that I had in nine months and six weeks. I'm like, Ooh, there's something to this, you know? Mm -hmm. Then that got me to the point where now I was monetized on YouTube and I was sort of shocked to figure out how much I, I actually didn't make, right? It's uh, in the in the fishing niche, you know, YouTube doesn't pay a lot of money, which is fine. It's uh I but I had already figured out that that YouTube wasn't going to be where the the main source of my money was going to come from, but it was just it was sort of the social proof, right? It's it, just like in real estate. You have to be on social media so people can get to know you. You have to be on social media so people can sort of get that know, like, and trust thing mm-hmm. so that, you know, when they make the decision to either buy a house or sell a house, they're like, oh, hey, I, I see that John on social media all the time. He mm-hmm. seems like a nice guy. He seems really, you know, maybe a little quirky at times, you know, but but I like that about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, you, Eric. You know, <laughs> no, but, but that's the, that's yeah. sort of the whole point, right? You want to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I knew it wasn't going to be about, you know, trying to get people to necessarily 
do big things like that, but it was more about brands seeing me. And so for brands saying like, oh, hey, we like this guy's approach. We like his style. We like his honesty because, you know, I've done some reviews of of rods and reels mm-hmm. where I'm like, I don't like it, right? I think it's overrated. I, it's overpriced. And most people won't do that um, because they want people to buy it. So I, I think that's actually helped me a little bit as well. By the way, guys, just so you know, for those of you who listen to the podcast and are in the membership, I didn't pay Aaron to say you need to be on social media, but I could have because this is what I preached to everybody every week. Like, do you? how do you build no like, and trust? You you are out there on social media sharing your stuff like, and, and being you, right? So let's kind of talk about YouTube at the beginning, right? Now you, so, okay, so many people are going to listen to this and be like, okay, I need to get started on YouTube, but I need all this crazy gear and they get, I need to edit, I need to do this. And they're going to stress themselves out and say, forget it. How, what, did you just start with your phone? Did you just start with some of your cameras from your photography days? Like what was kind of the initial equipment that you used? Yeah, so so my initial equipment were was uh, an old GoPro in my phone. Uh, I didn't add my my main camera in, at least not for the fishing trips uh, until well into it. Uh, and I still don't use my main camera most of the time. You know, I have a really nice Sony, and and mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, it's it's a professional level camera. But I I did use it for like some of my unboxing videos, and so because I'm in inside, I'm it's sort of stationary, so I'm using it as the main camera. But I still use just a GoPro on a chest mount. My first few videos, I put it up on top of my hat. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I realized is I'm borderline ADHD. And so I'm always looking around and it was just like the video was all over the place. I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to work out. So, um, but yeah, I just picked up a used GoPro actually and, and got started. And I still use that same GoPro as one of my main cameras mm-hmm. because I, you know, anything after a GoPro hero five is, is going to create good enough quality on YouTube, you know, for action type stuff. Uh, your phone though, it, my daily lives that I, I, I need to get back to doing those. Mm-hmm. Those were pretty much all on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, phones are amazing now. I mean, they're, they're pretty darn good cameras, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, you can get started real basic, but I think the other thing of it is, is just, you, you need to sort of have an idea of what you're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I said, okay, well, if I'm going to document the bait finesse stuff, you know, honestly, the first probably five or six videos are just like, Hey, I got this cool new gear. Let me figure out how to do an unboxing video. Cause I always thought they were sort of stupid, but you know, people like to see them for fishing and, and I sort of wanted to, to sort of document my reactions and, and how I thought about it. And then it was like the first few trips, like, well, let me figure out how to cast these things. Let me figure out how to fish. But then once I had that, like that, after that first month, I'm like, oh, wow, there are like 38 people are, are following me, you know, or whatever it was. I, I said, okay, well, what, what do people want to see? What are the, what are the kind of things out there? What are all the different products I could get into? Uh, and I really focused on, YouTube search. And so it was the idea of if I could focus on products, if I could focus on on those kind of things. I'm the kind of fisherman who likes to have spots to myself. Mm-hmm. So I very rarely name the spot that I'm fishing. But if I said like, hey, I'm fishing the Delaware River down by this bridge today, right? I, and I use that because it's on the other side of the state and, and you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't fish there. I would get a ton of views, because people are always looking for like very good fishing spots. And if I caught a bunch of fish there, I get even more views, but I don't do that because mm-hmm. I, there's a, there's a thing in fishing called spot burning and, and I don't want to do that. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to share, especially when I find these amazing spots that like nobody knows about for the most part. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to all of a sudden show up and there's 20 other people there, you know? So 
Um, you could meet some of your fans, though. I guess I guess you don't want to lose the fish to the. Hey, that's the angling with Aaron guy. <laughs> you, you know, the interesting thing is, though, because I went in such a, a micro niche. Yeah. You know, for me, I don't have a lot of viewers locally. Like I have yep. national and international viewers. Mm -hmm. um, one of my longtime viewers is from Mongolia. Right. And it's like he comments on every video. He's, you know, so it's really sort of a global thing, which I think will help with the, the branding long term. But to get back to what I was saying, like, to, when I said, okay, I'm really going to create a strategy, I created an entire spreadsheet of like, well, here's all the different topics. Here's all the different rods and reels I could get it into. Um, here's what they cost. Here's where I could get them. Here's, and I started setting a budget for how much I could, I could do each month. And then the other thing that I did is I went through and I said, okay, well, what works? And so what are the thumbnails that have, you know, when I look through my favorite fishing YouTubers, their top videos, what did the thumbnails look like? Can I find some themes there? And it was just sort of like, I needed to educate myself on how YouTube works. Uh, and so I spent, I probably still spend more time studying YouTube and fishing trends than I spend actually editing videos and going mm -hmm. on fishing trips. That's very interesting. I think that's a great point because I think so many of us, like, and maybe you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I need to go start a channel. A, a few times, Aaron, and I'm as I'm writing down notes here, you've said like strategy, strategy. I had to have a strategy. And I think so many of us, maybe the reason we're failing at, at videos or social media or whatever, is we just kind of go in and we're like, let's just throw something up. Well, yeah, on your Facebook to share your personality, sure. But you kind of need that strategy. I love that you're kind of studying the topics, the reels, and the thumbnails. Tell us about, okay, so at the beginning, right, a subscriber or two a day, did any of that discourage you and be like, oh, forget it, I should quit? Or you were like, had you committed like, no, I'm going to document my journey for a period of time. I don't care if there's one subscriber or a thousand. Yeah, I I, I didn't expect sub subscribers to begin with. So the fact right. that I was getting any was sort of amazing to me. Yep. But I started realizing that you know, you don't need 100,000 subscribers to, to to make money on, on mm -hmm. YouTube. You know, you can do affiliate deals, you can do links and, and, you know, my best months right now are like $500 in affiliate revenue. So that's what I started focusing on. I'm like, okay, well, I will, I, I review products. I look at products where I don't have affiliate deals because I think there's a high enough demand. There's enough long-term interest that I'll get the views. Uh, and so that will create subscribers and, and maybe create affiliate income the other way. But a lot of the stuff that I chose to to, to buy wasn't because like, oh, I got to have that reel. It's because like, oh, this is a new one coming out. They've got a great uh, affiliate program and I'm going to check it out. But again, I didn't just sort of pan the reviews and say, hey, everything's great. You know, I mm. I, I do have a couple favorites, but I've also had ones to be like, I, in fact, there's one company that they might even have one of the best affiliate deals going. Like I've publicly gone out several times and said, I won't buy anything from them anymore. I'm not going to show any of their products on my channel anymore. I'm not going to talk about them because they're a bad company. And, and I'm, I, I just, I'm not going to sort of like not going to sell out, especially not with a thousand subscribers or 2000 subscribers mm -hmm. early on. Right. I mean, there's like, there's no reason to do it. But I, I I think when you do that, that, people see through it and you just need to be yourself and and you, you don't want to, you know, for me, I'm not going to to sponsor products or, or show products on my channel just for the money uh, if mm -hmm. if I wouldn't use them on a normal basis. And and 
a lot of the stuff that I reviewed in the first year, I have a couple of videos coming out where I'm, I'm saying, Hey, here's all the stuff. Here's the last couple of videos with these. And I'm going to sell off half of it because I don't like it as much as the other stuff. It's mm-hmm. good stuff, right? But it's not as good as some of the other stuff. And then I'll recoup some of the money that I spent to buy them, um, which becomes a little bit of a tax accounting nightmare, but uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, it, it'll be okay. So Tell us about, I mean, I think you've done, and especially I heard this at the retreat, you've done a good job of connecting with brands. I know there was one, they had a kayak and they're like, they reached out to you and were like, would you try this? And you're like, well, I live in Pittsburgh. It's the middle of the winter. And you kind of tell us about that story and how you kind of had it sent to Vincent, because I think you just kind of got creative with it. Yeah, the so there, there's a company, Isle Paddleboards. Uh, they had a, I think it came out last year, but they didn't have many videos on it. So it's it was another reason why I looked at it. I'm like, oh wow, I can't find hardly any videos on this thing. Like, absolutely, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm interested. So it's it's a paddleboard, stand up paddleboard. It's inflatable, but it's also it's what they call it a hybrid. So it's got a seat, it's got a footrest, so you can use it like a kayak. And and I told them like I will try to find a location where I'm comfortable doing a stand up paddleboard but I'm going to use it as a kayak. And you're like, that's exactly why we wanted you to do it because mm-hmm. I was in, I, I had a big video and it's still my best video every month that came out in December. Uh, and it was about researching kayaks because one of the strategies for this year was I need to add kayak fishing into my channel uh, because it's, it's an underserved market, which mm-hmm. surprises me, but the data and, and the results of the videos are, are proving that out. So I did a, like a 20 some minute long video on, you know, the, the kayaks that I'm looking at and which one I'm going to try to buy, you know, I need to find the right deal on it. So they saw that video. It be, it got picked up by Google. It looked like, because all of a sudden I was getting like hundreds of views a day, which was Ooh. huge for me. You know, and mm-hmm. some of my videos still only get 200 views. Uh, this one now I think has 12 or 15 or 17,000 or something. And, and it's just every month when I look at my, my stats, like this is my top performing video. So they saw that video and said, Hey, would you, consider trying this out. And so first I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute, it's February. It's in Pittsburgh, right? It's, you know, below, below, like I couldn't even go fishing because the water was frozen. And so I said, so that's why I said, and they're like, well, maybe we can do something, you know, when it warms up. I'm like, how could I work with them sooner? Like, cause I wanted to get that first sort of like, I don't want to call it a sponsored video. Right. But essentially they sent me to use it for free. And I, I, I wanted to start creating that, that, you know, personality and get some reps in when it, maybe it didn't matter as much. You know, I still wanted to do the best videos possible. And I, I did a couple awesome videos for them. They were blown away by them, which was good. Mm. Uh, in fact, I might continue to work with them. But I said, you know what? I'm going to Florida. It'll be warm enough in Florida. So I sent them a pitch and said, hey, I'll do at least three or four videos. I'll try to do a few more. But here's where I'm going. Here's the two video ideas that I really have. And plus, I'll do like an unboxing and a review. And their marketing manager wrote back and said, I love that idea. That's actually fantastic. And I said, I just, you know, I let, let me verify that I can get it shipped somewhere. And so, yeah, I reached out to, to Elizabeth, actually, Vincent's wife, and said, hey, can I have a paddleboard shipped to your house? <laughs> and she was like, it doesn't surprise me that you'd want to do something like yeah. this. She's like, but how big is it? I'm like, it shouldn't be big. It only weighs 19 pounds, you know? So it, I'm like, you know, picturing like, it shouldn't take up much space. And so it was delivered like a day or two before I got there. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but yeah, it was, um, it was great. And, uh, it actually led to a, a couple other opportunities. So that's been yeah. fun. And, and, uh, honestly, and it led to me catching 
at least one of the fish that I always wanted to catch. There's no okay. way I would have been able to get to that fish without the paddleboard. Um, yeah. So that was sort of cool as well. And and they were thrilled that I was able to tie. It's called a peacock bass, but mm-hmm. they were thrilled that I was able to tie my experience on their paddleboard to the peacock bass and catching mm-hmm. one because it's it's the kind of fish that a lot of anglers would love to catch and you can only catch them in South Florida. So. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You know, we'll give we'll give Vincent's son Dylan a shout out. I'm surprised Dylan didn't take it apart for, and use some of the screws and stuff to build a computer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us, you know, one of the things I said at the beginning was, you know, you've really only been doing, you know, you were doing it a year, started working with national brands and you're currently designing. It's going to include your own signature rod. Like where did this come from after, you know, 2000 subscribers on YouTube? Like, was it just a connection, just a relationship? Like, where was that from? Yeah. I mean, you know, relationships matter. Right. And so, and honestly, risk taking matters a little bit at times too. You know, when you can take calculated risks and say, you know, I'm going to try to do this because I, I think it's a good idea. It doesn't always work out. And so, you know, why I was going to be in Florida is because, as you mentioned before, we were at a retreat together mm-hmm. and I hadn't been to one of Vincent's retreats since 2020. And honestly, I wasn't a hundred percent comfortable traveling yet, even it's just, mm-hmm. but I said, okay, I'll do it. And so, but I said, I got to You heard Shookman was going to be there and you're like, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, actually what I said was like, which one is he going to be at? And he ended up being in both of them. So it- <laughs> <laughs> John was going to be in both because he was in Florida. Oops. Uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, well, so, so, but what I said was like, I, I want to pay for this. And so, you know, one of the things that Vincent has taught us pretty well is that, you know, you can create revenue streams to pay for different things that you want to do. So I'm like, well, what if I offered a fishing workshop in Florida and could I generate enough money just to, to cover the cost to get down there and then I'll sell some more tickets. And so I threw it out to my audience. I had a handful of people sign up right off the bat uh, and generated enough money to pay for Vincent's retreat. So I'm like, okay, uh, so I'm going. So I signed up. And as we were talking about that, I I think that was also Vincent. So this is going to be a podcast about Vincent, I think, and his family. But he said, you know, one of the things he wishes he would have done was to create an artifact of some sort for the events. So I'm like, okay, I'll start looking into some custom lure manufacturers. And the first two people that I I talked to said they were interested in, and then they just didn't respond. I'm like, okay, well, I've only got a couple months. I I, I want to get the I wanted to have this locked in. And so I finally reached out to a guy who did who does bait finesse soft plastics, and he was just getting into it. And we connected in a Facebook group. I reached out to him and said, Hey, I like some of the stuff that you're doing. Like, can you do custom colors? Would you be willing to do, you know, uh, two or three baits for this workshop that I'm hosting? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. And so we went back and forth and he still sends me, you know, ideas on, on molds and weights and like, would this work in the bait finesse realm? And, you know, so we had stayed in contact. He did some, some, some great baits for me. Well, it turns out he is on the pro staff with Kistler fishing rods. And I didn't know that right now. We were just, I was just trying to get some baits. And then I've just been helping him build his business uh, over the next couple months while we were working together. And so right around the time, I think it was either right as I was coming back or right after I got back from Florida, I got a message from, from Shane, his name's Shane Kuhn. He, and it's great. He's a, he's a Christian based guy. So his bait business actually is called anglers in action for Christ. And mm-hmm. he takes all the proceeds from that and he puts it towards different mission work. And I didn't know that when I started working with him, but it just made it so much better to like continue to work with him and continue to try to buy, buy bait and lures from him. 
So anyway, he reaches out and he's like, Hey, would you want to work with Kistler fishing rods? And I'm like, okay, this isn't BS. Like it's literally the next fishing rod I was going to buy. Like, yes, mm-hmm. I would, I would love to, to anything I can do to try to help promote their products. And, and if they want to get into bait finesse, he's like, I think they do. And so he said, do you mind if I just give your contact information to Trey Kistler? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. And so literally a couple of days later, I get an email from Trey. He's like, Hey, can we talk? You know, what, what time would be good? I'm like, call me whenever. And we spent about an hour and a half on the phone that very first time. And at the end of it, I said, Hey, you know, so maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but when I was in Florida, I lost the the biggest fish of my lifetime because the rod I was using, in my opinion, has a design defect. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I'd love to do, if we could work together to design a really killer bait finesse rod, maybe an entire lineup of rods, I'd like to go back to that same spot next year and use a Kistler rod and land one of those big fish. And I don't want to trash the other company. I just want to do like a flashback and say, when I was here before, <laughs> this is what happened. And, but now with Kistler, you know, here's the result. I was able to land this, this, mm-hmm. you know, bucket list fish. And he said, that's all I need to hear. He's like, you're thinking a year into the future. He's like, and we haven't even talked terms of the deal yet. He's like, I want to work with you. And I said, well, you know, I don't have a huge following. He's like, I don't care. He's like, I think you will. He's yep. like, and he's like, I want to, it's like, I want to be the guy that, that you're, you're aligned with. He's like, I want you to be the guy that, that markets my line of rods. And he's like, Hey, let's do a reel too. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So, That's you know, and so then, cool. it, yeah. And it, like, we hadn't even talked like terms of the deal. And I yeah. said, well, just let me know what the next steps are. He's like, well, let's start with this. What do you want out of this? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I want to help you be successful. Like I like, and, and then I told him, I'm like, if, if I need to send you my, my planning document, I will. I'm like, but literally your helium fishing rod was going to be my next purchase. Like I was going to mm-hmm. purchase that in either late March or early April. And he's like, I believe you. He's like everything that we've talked about. He's like, I'm not sure that rod's going to do what you want. I'm like, well, it's more on the power end. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, let's talk terms. He's like, you want free rods and reels? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. He's like, do you want to do product testing with me down here in Texas? And maybe we do a couple of fishing trips together. And I'm like, that would be fantastic as well. And he's like, do you want to cut of the action? I'm like, of course, that's sort of how most of these work. Right. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's like, that's not a problem. He's like, I'll get you set up with that. He said, well, what else? I'm like, I don't have anything that I really wanted out of this. I just love the opportunity to work with, you know, it's an American company. It's veteran owned. It's, it's mm-hmm. Christian owned. Mm-hmm. Like this is the kind of guy that I'd, I'd like to hang out with, let alone do business with. And he said, well, what about your own signature rod? And I'm like, oh well, goodness. that would be amazing. And he's <laughs> like, well, we're definitely doing that. He's like, that doesn't cost me anything. You know? <laughs> and uh, wow. so I was, I literally from that call, e- even now I'm sort of, you know, it's been two months, three months. I'm, I'm sort of like, I just, it's at some point, somebody's going to pull the rug out from under me and say, ah, oh, Hey, we were just kidding. Just uh, kidding. You know, in fact, I told that to Trey just either last week or two weeks ago, we were talking about some designs on the next round of prototypes. Uh, and he said, is this working well for you? And I'm like, Trey, I got to tell you, I'm still waiting to either pinch myself or for you to say, Hey, you know, I appreciate your insights, but you're really not the guy I thought you were. And, and, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm done with this. And he would start laughing. He's like, dude, he's like, you've been so helpful. He's like, it's, uh-huh. um, you know, and it's interesting because this is where a lot of the blend of, of all the stuff that I've done in the past is coming together. Yep. 
you know, I've, I've led organizations, I've helped organizations grow, but early in my career, I was a manufacturing and design guy. So to help design a new product and to work and understand the constraints of, of the factories and, and timelines and, you know, and to be able to look past the things that aren't perfect because we turned a prototype in one week, you know, it's, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, and I also sort of understand like how almost like harsh feedback, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it can be valuable. Uh, and so after the first round of prototypes, Trey even said, he's like, this is so good. He's like, I, he's like, I don't think anybody else would have told me like some of the things that you told me, he's like, because he's like, they want to make me happy. He's like, but you're mm-hmm. like, Hey, th- this is good, but this is horrible. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? and, and uh, so, and we've made designs to the, to the next round of prototypes based on that. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. And then, you know, based on that, then I reached out to, uh, another company, uh, fish USA tackle shop. So I buy from a lot of different places and, uh, it drives my wife crazy, but <laughs> I, I, I had, I had placed, it was a video that came out recently. I'd placed a, a, an order from four different companies. Uh, one of them was a local company, uh, really specialized type of lore. I haven't even used it yet. The other two were na- big national companies here in the U S and then the fourth one was one of my favorite shops out of Japan. And so I placed the orders on Friday, either morning or Friday evening. It might've been afternoon. I, I, I wasn't really paying attention to it, but I'm like, oh, I'll have these sometime next week. Well, the order from Fish USA showed up on Monday. You know, the order from Japan showed up on Tuesday. And hmm. then the order from the other big major brand didn't ship until Tuesday afternoon. And so I was just blown away by their service once again. And every time I've ordered from them, yeah. it's been like almost next day. And I don't, I don't even know where they are, but they're not like in Pennsylvania. You know, they've never changed out anything on the order. They always have everything they say they have. And so I said, you know, I wonder if, if they would associate with, with me, like mm-hmm. how could I become? And so I, I did a little bit digging and I found out they do have a, a program. And ironically, it's through the same management company that the the paddleboard company uses. So now I have a, a profile on on this on this affiliate marketing company's you know management website. I'm already aligned with somebody in the fishing industry. So then I reach out to one of the bigger names in, in tackle and I'm like, hey, here's why I want to work with you. I have this kayak video that's absolutely crushing it. I'd love to be able to get affiliate links to that. Mm-hmm. But honestly I just love your your service and and I want to start driving people back to your site when I talk about different lures. And the next day they, they, they replied back and said, actually, we've seen your kayak video and you are the kind of person we want to do business with. So yeah, hundred percent. Let's add That's you to the so team. Wild. Yeah. You know, so, so it, there is a little bit of action in that. And I've got a couple brands I'm trying to, you know, Shawshank as uh, I think Chris Tuff uses that, that, yep. that phrase, you know, so uh, there's, there's a couple of brands I'm Shawshanking right now so that at, at the right time I can reach out to them and, and hopefully they will have seen, you know, some of my support, some of my comments, they know who I am. One of them I've already connected with like their vice president of marketing. And we've talked a few times. So, you know, there are, there are a couple brands on my radar, but right now everybody else is just sort of whatever happens, happens. It's so cool because you don't know until you ask. And so I think that's a big thing here. Like you didn't know. And, you know, I think so many, again, and and for realtors, but really any business, so many, like, they're like, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to ask. I still remember, you know, I'll always talk about how Jesse Cole was on my podcast. My podcast is not a show Jesse Cole should be on. It's not, it's just not. He was on ESPN. He was on USA Today. But like, what did I do? I sent him an Instagram message. I asked and he said, okay, you know, a buddy of mine, Justin Shank, interviewed Ricky Williams. He used to play in the NFL. 
what did he do? He messaged him on Instagram. And so I just think it's like that power of like just being willing to kind of put yourself out there and sometimes take rejection, right? Like I message people on Instagram all the time and they don't respond and they'll probably never be on the show. And that's okay. But some like Jesse Cole, who's all over the everywhere, it was willing to say yes. So I just think it's that power of being willing to put yourself out there. Yeah. I mean, and I get rejections too. I mean, it's not yep. like every, everybody that I've tried to re- work with has said, yes, you know, there's, there's been a handful that have said, not, no, we're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're not interested or we want to see more on different social media platforms. Yep. And so, and I try some of that stuff, but it, it's just, uh, it, it, it's a process. You, you can't be everywhere at once. And where I've decided to hang my hat is YouTube at this point. And, you know, I, I have 11 different revenue stream ideas that I can work on. But I'm really focused on just this the the ones that are associated with the YouTube growth right now, uh, because it's to me. I mean, I have a stereo system sitting behind me. I'm huge into music, and to me, it's kind of like you know the old equalizers on on stereos, mm. right? You, you can pick what you want to accentuate and and what you you need to downplay. You know, my investment income, like I worry about that twice a year at this point. The lever is is all the way down because it's it's in good shape. You know, my eBay business, which is sort of paying you know, for a lot of the investment in YouTube, uh, that's sort of in the middle. I've, I've slid it down a little bit more this year, so I could spend a little bit more time on YouTube, but you know, YouTube and affiliate is cranked all the way to the top, right? Because that's, that's sort of where I'm trying to focus. I, this is, uh, and again, it's so funny. Cause I think when I messaged you, you were like, I mean, I'll come on. Is that a fit for your show? But I think it is because like even YouTube, even like kind of the mindset stuff is so big for realtors. So as we kind of close out our time, I'll, I want to honor your time. Uh, I asked this question I told you at the beginning, and thank you so much. Love the conversation. Take us back to a point. Now, this could be out of corporate America. This could be out of photography, starting YouTube. Where would be a point where you kind of experienced some adversity? And what would be like a piece of advice to that version of yourself? I mean, there's been a lot of, I was a change agent in business, you know, so I, I worked in six different industries. And part of that was me searching for the next challenge. And part of it was me trying to understand, like, does what I'm doing, like, is this universal? Does it work everywhere? And so there was a little bit of that. But around 2007, early 2007, I think Twitter was starting to come around. Social media, you know, Facebook was already definitely there. But LinkedIn had had started. And I started using LinkedIn as a way to recruit engineers to come work in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember there was a few people in the organization that would catch me on social media, being on LinkedIn, right? So I'm sitting at my desk, right? And I'm reading articles, I'm, I'm commenting, I'm, I'm going back and forth. And they're like, like, we got you. Like you, you are, you are using, you know, the, the work computer for personal use. So, you know, I was this guy that, that had, had great success and there were, you know, so there's always people like trying to, trying to get you in trouble or trying to, you know, mm-hmm. wh- whatever, to knock you down a notch or two. And I said, no, like the company pays for my premium membership on LinkedIn so I can recruit. Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm networking. I'm like, this is, this is like going to a conference every single day. But you know what? I, I didn't buy into all of social media. I was just sort of into LinkedIn and I was in it to make the relationships, but not to build my own brand. And I think what I would have wanted to do had I known what I knew now, mm-hmm. you know, go back 16 years is I would have gone much heavier into building my my own brand and, and my own sort of expertise because you know in my old industry I I I was one of the thought leaders I was one of the guys who knew how to do a lot um, in a lot of different locations and it's why 
you know, some companies would ask me to come visit them in Japan and China because even if like we didn't have a deal, they would pay for the entire trip. And it was good for me to benchmark. And I worked for companies that understood that. And so they're like, yeah, we're never going to buy any of their products, but if you can go learn something and visit five other companies while you're there, go for it. Like, we'll we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll pay your salary for that week or those two weeks. So I wish I would have spent more time building my personal brand and shared a little bit more of my personality instead of just focused on the business relationships. That, that's probably the the biggest thing because even, you know, 2007 LinkedIn was nothing, but you know what? It was how I, I found the right recruiters. It was how I found, you know, young engineers who were willing to move from Florida and California to Buffalo, New York for the right opportunity. And, you know, we built an amazing team up there. And then I replicated that in, in Pittsburgh again, and and I just I use LinkedIn a ton. Like I I pro, I might still have more followers on LinkedIn than I have on YouTube, uh, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, you, you know, it's it's just one of the one of the places that it's same thing. I picked a platform and I, and I I became really good at it. But I just wish I would have shared different types of content a little bit more. Yeah, really, really good personal brand is is big, and you know that now for sure. A piece of advice that you would give. Realtors now it could be video related or just you know a lot of the listeners right are, are beginners at their real estate career and feel like they're struggling. What would be a piece of advice you'd kind of give someone like that? Let your personality show. I, I think is a big one. I think the other thing is is for realtors the opportunity to capitalize on the local marketplace. Mm. So visiting local businesses, branding yourself as as a local realtor. I think you've done that very well. I think you're you, you know you're known as the the Lancaster realtor on on some of your social media taglines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think those kind of things work really well. It was one of the things as I was trying to figure out if I wanted to have a local photography business or not, I was going to different local businesses. I was going to the local chamber of commerce meetings, all the local functions, because it's it's all about top of mind. And even on, social media is so powerful, mm-hmm. but if you're on social media and then you can make that in-person connection, like it's, it's like a multiplier, right? And it's like, okay, you're the same person in person as you are on social media. Mm-hmm. Like I, like, I really like this person. Like there's, I think for a lot of people, it's almost an affection that, that, actually gets created when you meet somebody in person and you share some stories and you maybe have a few drinks or you have a meal together that you know, just that that shared experience combined with everything they've seen of you in the past it's now they're like they really feel like they know you and they it's not just trust it's like they they almost love you at this point and that's how i think you can really amplify your real estate business and, and probably the other thing is just following up and staying in contact with people you know i I would think it's a, a common practice, but you know, the first hundred people that buy homes from you, like they should be getting cards several times a year, handwritten stuff because they were the foundation of your success. Mm-hmm. And those hundred people will make referrals for you the rest of your career if you stay in touch with them. Yeah, so good. And I mean it's it's great advice because a lot of realtors are like, oh yeah, I need to, you know, be out there. I and I need to make those personal connections. And then the application of it is is hard so thanks for that reminder dude this was so so helpful and i love this conversation again never thought i'd talk about fishing but i enjoyed it and it was very interesting i think it's going to be very helpful to the audience to think about and learn from what you've done so as we close out thank you for your time and where can people either find you or connect with you i'm guessing youtube is the best spot 
yeah, angling with Aaron on YouTube. That's A A R O N is is probably the the home base right now. I do have uh, a website, but I, honestly, I'm not keeping up with it right now. It's one of those things where same thing. I tested a lot of different mm-hmm. things and said, okay, well, what do I need to focus on first? But anglingwitharon.com is the website, uh, and on most social media platforms angling with Aaron or angling Aaron. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I tried to to create a consistent brand there as well. Well, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Congratulations on all your success. And it's just been fun to watch you. I even forgot at the beginning to mention the eBay that you were kind of doing, but like to watch from the corporate America to photography, eBay business, and now fishing in the YouTube stuff. So appreciate your time. And thanks for joining us today. No problem. Thanks, John. Pleasure being here. What is up, guys? I hope you enjoyed my interview with Aaron Hunt. I really enjoyed talking to him about, you know, everything he's built in his business and now with his YouTube channel as well. There were a ton of things that I took away from, you know, my interview with Aaron, but I'll just share a few of them as we close out the episode. A couple of the things I really took away was I just love that he was willing to, you know, put in the work and do some research on this, right? A few weeks ago, uh, we had JB Bullock on the show, and JB talked about when they got into the short-term rentals investing side, they did you know research on this for you know up to a year, and I think that is an absolute game changer if you want to have success in your business, right? If you're thinking about maybe in the real estate business doing videos, what should you be doing? Go and study people that are doing it. Go and study people that are being successful in this and follow what they are doing and model it in their business. So even the fact that Aaron searched for, you know, different videos about bait finesse style fishing and couldn't find any in English. So he started to make some and now he's built it out to have, you know, over 2000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. So, but I love the fact that he was willing to study what was there and kind of fill that gap. You know, and I just love that he's willing to kind of put himself out there. Again, he's he released videos every day for a period of time, right? It didn't matter whether the video got one view or five views or 5,000 views. You know, he was willing to be consistent and put himself out there. And here's the thing, guys, right? We talk about this all the time. In a niche like many of us have, you don't need a million followers on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is. You just need a small niche of people, right? Through this podcast and now my membership and mastermind, I've built out a following, right? It didn't have to be thousands of people, right? Because I had a pretty niche thing of helping new realtors create success in their business, specifically through social media. So if you're thinking about YouTube and just learning it, I would encourage you to check out what Aaron's doing. You know, another cool takeaway was, you know, he just started with his basic phone camera. Now he's got, right, the phone, the GoPro uh, on a chest mount, and he does do some, you know, videos with his camera. But your videos won't look professional overnight. How do they start to look professional? You get on video more consistently and If you're in the membership or mastermind, you know that I've kind of beat you over the head with this about getting on video recently, and I've tried to do this. But those first few videos, just like my first few podcast episodes here on the podcast, they are not going to be great, and they don't have to be, right? My first few episodes were certainly a struggle, right? And now I'm at almost 350 episodes. I kind of have a routine figured out for how I do it and how to create success with it. But that did not happen on day one. So I think getting started is a huge thing. And I would encourage you, 
to get started that video is definitely a game changer for your business and can help you, but that means you have to start with video number one. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Aaron Hunt for being my guest. Make sure you check him out. You can just Google Angling with Aaron or go to his YouTube channel, Angling with Aaron, and check out what he's doing with the uh, fishing videos and the bait finesse style fishing stuff. So appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you guys again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode.